listening to The New Paris. It's been nearly a year since the start of the Gilets Jaunes movement, or what we call the Yellow Vest movement. And when I think back on the moments that will forever remain ingrained in my mind, it's those of intense violence. Violence not only at the hands of the anarchists who latched on to the social je- demonstrations, but violence against protesters at the hands of the police. Police brutality and excessive use of force isn't only a topic of great controversy and discussion in the United States, it's also an issue of great concern in France. But suspicion among citizens with regard to the police didn't begin with the Yellow Vest movement. Joining me to talk about this issue is Aida Alami, a journalist based between Morocco and France who covers social justice, immigration, religion, and politics for the New York Times, and is at work on a documentary on anti-racist activists and police violence. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, we, we met on Twitter, which I think is is worth highlighting because there's Absolutely. still some good things to happen on, on Twitter. <laughs> um, and that's where I really discovered all of the very important work that you're doing. Um, you, you, your work really spans human rights issues and your interest in this rise of police violence comes at a time when we're certainly seeing more of it out in the open. And, you know, part of that is due to the protests in the last year, but... I think it's also the way social media can broadly spread news of this kind of treatment in real time. What was the spark for you, you know, the moment you decided that this issue would be a focus of, of your work? So I started working on this documentary about five years ago, and it's I haven't completed it yet. <laughs> Hopefully not another five years. But what happened is that I had lived in the U.S. for eight years, and then I start spending a lot of time in Paris and I see a lot of similarities between France and, and the U.S. in terms of police violence and how activists are responding to this police violence and they're pointing out the racial dimension of the police violence. So every year, 15 people are killed by the police. Most of them are black or Arabs. And uh, as you know, in France, there's this idea that it's a colorblind society and that we don't talk about race and that this kind of racial discourse is very American and not accepted in France. And back in 2015, I started meeting these young activists who wanted to speak about race and who were tired of not being heard, not being uh, interviewed by the media, and the media not paying attention to the racial dimension Mm -hmm. of police violence. So that's when I started paying attention to it, and I followed the trial of a young French Arab who was killed by a police officer and his sister trying to get justice. And then the <laughs> Gilets Jaunes protest happens and everyone starts paying attention, which to me was very interesting because it became more mainstream. Except most of the protesters are white. Exactly. So the, the dimension has now shifted. It's a more of a social class is- issue. I think that's because even with the yellow vests, the only person who was killed was an Arab woman. Um, it and it's not exactly the same kind of violence as the violence that these young Arabs and blacks uh, go through on a daily basis. Uh, you know, getting their IDs checked, getting harassed by the police on a daily basis. To me, the the, the yellow vest shows more that kind of like forceful intervention that's very French. Mm. It's kind of in the DNA of the state to kind of disperse protests like that. It started during the Second World War and it continued in the 60s during the Miss Soixante-Treat protest. Mm-hmm. That's how they were handled. And that's kind of how the, prote- the, 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 the French police works. And Except that there's you know, an in, a fundamental French right 
to be able to protest. And so it almost seems like what people responded to with this is the way that the state has tried to squash it from happening at all. You know, um, and it and, and it seemed to be that the commentary that was you know circulating after each incident was that this is unprecedented use of force. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you know if this is an issue that's changing because of the you know the administration, or if we're just it's just getting, or if it was always this violent and we just didn't know about it. I think there's a history of violence with the way protests have been handled in this country, but maybe in recent history, we haven't seen that kind of very forceful dispersion of protesters. Mm. And the other thing is that because it happened in the middle of Paris in these kind of really fancy and nice neighborhoods, I think people paid more attention than they used to. So going back to the the, the one particular case you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, um, you know, the young boy who was was killed uh, and whose sister. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Just because that's one of the sort of big cases that I think, you know, most French people are aware of. Um, I mean, there's certainly others, but she's sort of been the one to lead this movement saying that there's unchecked force going on, you know, by the hands of the police and and discrimination. Right. And what what's, I mean, what's interesting about her is that she kind of, so her name is Amal Bentounsi. Mm-hmm. She's a French uh, of Moroccan descent. She was actually born in Morocco, moved here as a baby. Her brother, on the other hand, was born here. And uh, so he was, he had a criminal record. He had all kinds of problems with the police. Uh, And then he was on the run when he, the night he died, uh, the police asked him for his ID. He didn't want to give his ID. He started running. They ran behind him and then he was shot four times in the back. And at first, as she says, she says, okay, my brother had the criminal record. I accepted his faith. And then she thought, you know what? I'm going to try to find out what exactly happened. And slowly she, she found from one witness, she was able to get six witnesses who saw what happened. And all of them said during the trial that at no point did uh, Amin, who died, uh, threatened the life of the police officer. He just shot him in the back. It looked like a cold-blooded murder. And uh, what I found really fascinating about the case is that she was able to change the narrative in the media because the narrative has always been if someone gets killed by the police, they probably looked for it. Right, deserved it. Yeah. Exactly. And I must... Uh, remind you that this is a country where the death penalty does no longer exist and you can't just kill people even if they're criminals or if mm-hmm. they have a record it's not it's can't not something yeah no. exactly it's not okay to kill someone even if they're criminals and um so she kind of changed the narrative which was really interesting to watch because i followed her for a couple of years and the way she was even educating the media about this. And she talks about race. And she talks about... And she keeps on saying, you can't talk about police violence if you don't talk about the history of France with colonization, with Algeria, with practices that were done in these countries that were colonized by France. And this is very new here. I mean, other activists have spoken about this over the last decades. But it's the first time that it's it's getting heard by the... Broader public. Exactly. And so where do things stand now with this case? So uh, the, the police officer was found guilty. 
Uh-huh. He got a suspended sentence, but he was still found guilty, which symbolically was already something. But there are a lot of other cases. Uh, and as I said earlier, the problem with the police is not just when people die. It's just a daily harassment of citizens. Right. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories uh, and, and read stories, in incidents where young people, uh, obviously, in, in already these disenfranchised suburbs where the police sort of patrol almost like almost like it's a game asking to see id over and over sometimes multiple times in the same day exactly and so you know when people quite easily say well this person ran away from the cops it's like well what had happened previously in the same day you know you start to feel like you know you're always being watched even if you're doing nothing wrong yeah exactly as someone says in in my in my film he says we run away when we see the police because the police hurts us they beat us they 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 it's just we're scared when we see this see them we don't run because we have something to hide we run because we don't want to get hurt so what are the other kinds of i mean because you talk about uh this film being tightly connected to anti-racists uh, and those activists. So what else are you looking into exactly with this dynamic? Just other cases of people who have been... So my, my, my film is not just focused on, on police violence. It's focused on state violence that expresses itself through its institutions, including the police. Mm. So that's kind of what I'm trying to show. And the people that are in my film are have... I mean, what I'm trying to show also is the influence of African-American discourse and the civil rights movements and how young French Arabs and young f- who are, are trying to to use the, the American civil rights movements to kind of make a point here and 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 talk about like they, they, they compare a little bit the struggles and they they try and they want to talk about race that's really the main thing which is uh, you know there's still so much resistance yes I mean every time someone brings up, this, this, you know, the, the issue of discrimination, it's, you know, turned on its head and said, oh, well, then this is anti-white. Absolutely. Your, your, your remarks are anti-white. I mean, it's just like, I mean, mind boggling. Look at the reactions to Rokaya Diallo. I know. I every know. time she talks about things that in the U.S. would be considered very mainstream. Well, that, that's sort of what every time I read. So Rokaya Diallo, for those who don't know, is a, a, a very prominent journalist um, in Paris, um, who's also a, a pretty fierce anti-racist activist um, and works to, to really highlight the discriminations that exist. You know, she is a French person and is always brought back to her her family's origins and um and so there have been a number of incidents that have have sort of gone viral online and made it into the into all the newspapers when she says anything that's you know sort of just like purely observational exactly and so the treatment the backlash against her is so fierce that you know i remember i've asked her like are you worried about your you know your safety based on some of these comments and she's not which is impressive. Which is impressive, yeah. Because I mean, she, I mean, she's the target of so much hate every single day, and yet, and yet she, she's doing the thing that so many others are talking about behind closed doors, which is the, you know. And I remember, you know, my my uh, my parents have previously asked me, you know, do you, do you, is, you know, are the French racist? Are they anti-Semitic? Are they this? And you know, it's. You, you never want to generalize. Of course. But 13 years on living here, it's hard to say that... I mean, and I would have the same reaction, honestly, anywhere. I think, on like, in today's world, I feel like you could say that everyone is racist. <laughs> right. But it, 
it's hard to pretend like this isn't a really big problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so what so you're you're in the process still of looking deeper into this and meeting different people and and trying to figure out how the state you know discriminates essentially. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm done filming. Ah, <laughs> I've, I've okay. done most of the editing. Um I'm still in the final tweaking and because the context keeps on changing, the film keeps on changing. But I mean it's just really hard and the reason it's really hard is because so I have this kind of outlook that's very different from people here because I grew up in Morocco. I went to school in the US, but I have this like I, I'm also really connected to France because I went to French school growing mm -hmm. up and so on. And Morocco was a former French protectorate. So I kind of have that kind of background. But at the same time, I don't see things like people do here. Like f with the headscarf, for example. I mean, we're moving away from police violence, but with the headscarf. And it's kind of dynamics which to me are non-issues, are like such huge issues mm -hmm. here that I kind of have to adjust my lens all the time and try to also understand why it's such a big deal. Why are people freaking out over women practicing a religion that maybe is not that popular here? It's just, I'm constantly learning about the issues. I'm constantly trying to, and I'm trying to, to show something that's nuanced at the same time, but it's hard to be nuanced But when you have, you know, the the situation you have here. Well, and also they give so much outsized attention to the headscarf and then, you know, the violence that we've been seeing for the last year, granted different from the, you know, the violence we were just, or sort of the harassment we've just been talking about, but, um, you know, surely, I mean, it did get attention, but no one was claiming any responsibility for that. And here you have debates upon debates upon debates. Exactly. On the headscarf. Exactly. Um, which I, I would argue is a form of policing women exactly. so we're not mm -hmm. we're not, not talking about the bullies <laughs> totally off topic um, so a piece just to get back to the mm -hmm. you know the the police issue um a piece in the new statesman suggested that what we're seeing this sort of wanton use of tear gas and grenades and rubber bullets undermines france's role as the birthplace of human rights which is quite bold and it's not the first time i've heard or read something similar to that what do you what do you make of that i mean it's like France loves to talk about its role in les droits de l'homme and, you know, and yet there are a lot of contradictions. Right. I want to say that when you're, let's say, a white French educated person, it is a place that's pretty fantastic and where your rights are respected and you have a chance at succeeding through education and all of that. But then when you're like the Gilets Jaunes from, you know, more remote places in the country, or if you are like these uh, minorities that grew up, grew up in these suburbs where they don't have access to services and so on, where, again, the police harasses them, and it's just not the same country. And, you know, my, my current title for my film is France's Children, but originally I wanted to call it The Other France, <laughs> <laughs> just because... You have, you know, you have this. I mean, I, 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 when I was filming, I, so when I'm in Paris, I, I stay in 11 district. So I'm like in this very Parisian neighborhood. And then I, I would go on my shoot and I, I really would feel like I traveled to another country and back mm. to another country. It's just so, it's just two different places. Which is perhaps part of the problem to begin with. Like the, we talk a lot about the periphery, the peripheric being this like, 
psychological border between one city. And yes, we're talking also about the the rest of France, but even when you look at just Paris and its outer suburbs, that that dichotomy is so vast and it makes people feel like they're just, you know, completely disconnected from the rest of exactly. of life. Exactly. Yeah. And they are. And so what I do mean you there's there have been improvements and especially since 2005 after ma- massive protests in the suburbs after the death of two teenagers who were running away from the police they started kind of paying attention and and trying to improve how the suburbs are but there's still so much to do and what do you so if we we you know you mentioned that to really go back to the source of all of this it would be to look at France's behaviors in colonization um are there other key movements that, or, or or incidents that you recall through your research that so I would say the the main ones that come to my to my mind are yes the colonization and and what the police was doing in Algeria for example mass repression and so on um the in 1961 in Paris over 100 Algerians were murdered by the police on one night uh, it's called La Ratonade de, d'Octobre 1961. And um, there was in the in 1986 there was the murder of Malik Ousekin, mm-hmm. who was a young student who was protesting. So I think these kind of moments uh, kind of repeat themselves. And and how today? Because we just passed that anniversary, right? Of the um, 1961. Yeah, 1961. Um, how does France uh, approach what happened today? You know, because I saw that there were, you know, there was some nods made to to that day. I think the mayor, you know, commented. What is the sentiment? I'm so glad you're asking that question because I, I'm I'm constantly shocked at how colonization is not really mentioned here i mean it is by in the small circles oh, but, but it's I not know, taught. yeah exactly it's not exactly like for example the the black code le code noir which was established in france under napoleon and the idea was that if you were a black person you had to ha- to show that your master allowed you to be outside walking around so you had to have like a paper from your master that that said so which is kind of connected today to when they see a black person they ask them <gasps> to have their id so you have these connections with the past that keep on repeating themselves and they don't teach it i have um i mean when i see in school books and what they learn about colonization is you don't they it's like don't, a passing it, reference exactly right? exactly so, so how do but how do they make sense today? I mean, aside from you know not being addressed properly in in education, you know, I know that Macron at one point had tried to take responsibility or on behalf of France for things that had happened. And the backlash was huge again. It's like they refuse to talk about these things. Eric Zemmour said something. I know Abba. he's not a reference. <laughs> uh, if you want, to. he is. Uh, how do we how do we sum up <laughs> Eric Zemmour in in one phrase? It's a fascist. I yeah, mean, he's, yeah, exactly. He's he's a hate monger. I mean, yeah, exactly. So yesterday, on I think it was yesterday or two days ago, he on TV he just made this really outrageous comment about how he supported this general that massacred people in Algeria. And these comments go unchecked. And even I'm seeing what people are saying today. Of course, the activists I follow on Twitter and everything are kind of, you know, talking about colonization and so on. But in the mainstream media, it just they just said, oh, he said again a bad thing. But why not use what he said to teach people about what happened? 
you know? Because you're using the wrong example, that's why. But uh, France continues to mm. apologize for people like him and give him airtime, which is exactly nauseating, and that's not how we're going to, you know, move ahead at all. But, but interesting. So obviously, you know, it, the, the press talked about how it was a big deal when Macron, you know, acknowledged the violence in Algeria. Um, but I don't get the sense that we talk very much about what happened in 1961 in Paris. No, no. There's a, there's a, there's a documentary for those who are interested in this called um, Ici, on noie les Algériens. Oh, one, uh, I mean, it gives you a good sense of what the film is about because it's literally what happened, right? Yeah, exactly. So the, that translates to here we drown Algerians. Because they were thrown into the river. And, and based, what was the the conflict? What was the reason that that happened? It was just mass arrests. Um, and I, th I mean, so there's this documentary that's made, of course, by someone who's connected to it in terms of identity. It's going to be on like a really, you know, on Arte, on, a, you know, at 11 p.m. once and that's it. But there's no, you know, if you compare what, for example, is done in Germany for Germans today to feel responsibility for what happened in Second World War versus, you know, what's happening here. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember, I, I remember watching that Michael Moore uh, documentary where he's in Europe and he's in Germany and there's like this this kid who's German of Turkish origins and he was talking about how he felt responsible for the Holocaust and it was interesting because that's, you know, like in school they're really thought to remember atrocities and and never forget this kind of, you know, idea of never forgetting and here I don't see that. Well, no, it's brushed under the rug. It was, uh, you know, another time why talk about it except that they never talked about it. Right. But they're behaving as though it's already yeah. been, you know, dealt with. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna, like on the day it happened they will like, the mayor will go there, have like some flowers and talk about it for two seconds and that's it. And then it's never Which is, to be anymore. honest, the most I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, yeah I've, exactly. that's the most I've ever seen. So, I mean, you mentioned uh, sort of noticing similarities between the issue of harassment and violence and state and the way that those discriminations appear in institu state institutions in the U.S. and France. Are th is the U.S. handling it better? <laughs> it's kind of a tricky question. <laughs> it uh, is a tricky question. But race is open. I, I, like I we're talking yeah, about exactly it. what I mean. In the U.S., it's it, what's happening is also atrocious. It keeps on happening. It seems to be a disease that the U.S. can't get rid of. But at the same time, at least it's it's discussed. There is a right. conversation. There is a conversation at the highest levels. There is a con you know conversation in the media. Among intellectuals, there are books being written about this. There, there are conferences. There are politicians being asked to comment on these issues. So at least it's not something that's being ignored. As opposed to here, whenever anti-racism activists say anything, they're accused of acting like victims, of whining. Of the, 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 it's very hard for them to get heard by anyone, really. So do you think that I mean, if we look at you know, this kind of violence against one group and then the kind of violence we've seen emerge from mass protest. I mean, are we, are we moving toward a police state? Like, what is, where do you think we're heading in France? Because, uh, you know, never in my, I mean, I've, I've only been here 13 years and obviously a lot of these incidents predate my arrival, but, you know, I've heard people who have been here for 35 years, 40 years, say they've never seen such clashes. 
I think it's really hard to answer because I, I still do think it's in the DNA of the state to have a police that acts like that just because, you know, the Vichy government and, ah. you know, and, and then after that, 1968 with the student protests and the way they were handled and so on. I just think that for a long time, these kind of clashes were happening in the suburbs, in the periphery of Paris. People didn't care, didn't pay attention. I have friends who are not racist at all, but when I have conversations about them about these things, they say, yeah, but criminal statistics justify that kind of forceful, you know, oh, handling easy of minorities. Always. Yeah, exactly. When actually you don't have racial statistics in France, so I don't know how they know that criminals are usually black or Arab. Um, I think because it happened in the heart of Paris, there's something that's more spectacular about it. Mm. That, that's my no, take on yeah. it. But do you feel like maybe because, again, this may just be because we spend a lot of time on Twitter and we see <laughs> these discussions happening, uh, but do you think we're starting to see this like fringe discussion or what's been forced to stay in the fringes moving forcefully into, you know, the mainstream discussion, because I do feel like Rokeya especially is, you know, getting her way in there. And right. even if there's backlash, she's being heard. Absolutely. And I'm, uh, and we're all glad she's doing that job because it takes a lot of courage and patience to go on these shows and kind of argue with these people about things that are, I mean, the, we've accepted a long time ago, but I do think I do think that with the 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 gilet jaune with the yellow vests, uh, there it kind of showed how how Macron's government was ruthless. There's a ruthlessness to the way these protests were handled that's pretty exceptional in recent history, in the sense that it's always been kind of a socialist leaning state where workers right. are kind of you know, our strong voice in the country, even if people complain when they protest, when, you know, the trains are not running and all of that, they still are, they've always been respected and heard. And this is the first time that there's this kind of despising the working class, which I think that's what's new. Interesting. So do you feel like we could, I mean, obviously it hasn't yet been a year, but, you know, we could still... To mark the occasion of one year, it could be quite a clash then because um, nothing's really... There's been no no real solution. There's been no resolution. No. no, none. And Macron keeps on having this image of the president of the rich, le président des riches, ah bah. and he's not really handling this, this issue. Well, nor is he really working to shake off that image either. Absolutely. I mean, this the, the yellow vest for... One thing completely ruined his presidency in the sense that his legacy will be tied to the to disaster that. it's been. So are you optimistic at all? I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's like kind of a terrible question to end with. But, you know, yes, we're having these conversations and there are people who are making their way through the, uh, you know, the the penetrating silence almost of, of you know, these topics. But. Do you think we're going to see a day when, you know, these issues of discrimination are handled uh, appropriately, adequately? I think th the good thing is that these new there are new generations of journalists, of politicians, and so on. And I noticed this, if you remember, with the backlash last year when I profiled that 
young student who oh, wore a headscarf. Yes. <laughs> yep. And uh, what I noticed when I I spent time with her for the profile and uh, I was on campus here in Paris at La Sorbonne with all of her classmates. So the story is uh, that the head of a student union um, wears a headscarf and that was like a huge deal in France. And I noticed that none of her classmates who've elected her, by the way, care that she wore a headscarf. So I think these kind of conversations we see on TV are by pe- this elite that's been mm. in place for so long, that's been controlling the narrative and they are not in touch with what young French people think. And also there's a big rise of fascists among the, young, the youth also in France. But you also have this very um, diverse you know, French youth that will take control, hopefully, of politics and the media and so on. I hope you're right. We're relying on them for the environment, too. Exactly. (laughs) Aida, thank you so much for being here. If people want to follow your work, they can follow you on Twitter, first and foremost, or check out your website, which is aidaadami.com. I cannot wait to see this documentary. Please. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Please get it out quickly. Um, In the meantime, you can listen to all previous episodes of The New Paris wherever you stream your shows or on World Radio Paris. And until next time, à bientôt.